Are you considering homeschooling, but don't feel qualified or don't know where to start? Are you a homeschooler and feeling lost or just need some encouragement? This podcast is for you. My hope is that through everyday homeschoolers' stories, you will be encouraged, inspired, and empowered to and in your homeschool. I want to thank my friends and fellow homeschoolers, Cole and Lindsay Novak of Good Company, for allowing me to use their song, To Be Here Now. You can follow them on Instagram at music.goodcompany, their podcast, Good Company Podcast, on Apple and Spotify, as well as on YouTube. This episode is so very sweet to me because I have never seen someone stand so firm and sure in their faith. This friend has become like a sister to me. She has the biggest and purest heart. Her and her husband have added to their family through adoption, are foster parents, and have walked through major health issues and more. I'll let her share most of her story, but buckle up. You will be deeply impacted by what you hear from her today. Welcome, Lauren. Hey. Hi. I'm so glad you're doing this with me. I know. It's exciting. Okay. So tell us who you are, who you're married to. So I'm Lauren, and I'm married to Court, and we have three children, Makai, Cora, and Fulton, boy, girl, boy, and they are ten or nine, eight, and six. Nine, eight, six, and they're so sweet. And now Makai, you adopted, right? Yes, Makai, we started the process through fostering. It was about a year and a half, and then we adopted him when he was about 18 months. That took about six months, and now um, he's in our family. He was the one that made me a mama, and then I had two biological children, and then we've been currently fostering on a break right now. Yeah. Um, so I just want to go through your school experience. You know, were you homeschooled? Were you public school, private school? What was that like for you? So for me, I was, um, went to private school and public school. I pretty much alternated my whole life and that was how I was raised. And I knew only one friend that had been homeschooled and she came in to school with us when she was like in sixth grade. Wow. Yeah. So that was back then. That was only one person I knew that was homeschooled. Was that your first interaction with homeschool? Yeah. And it wasn't, she wasn't weird or anything, but then it wasn't until I was in college, um, that I lived with my aunt and she homeschooled her three children. That's where it was like, Oh, homeschool isn't weird. (laughs) And I saw the beauty of with learning disabilities how she was able to cater to each child's personality and what they needed at the time. And just that beauty of working with the child as an individual was just so precious to me. Yeah, I feel like you said they weren't weird. And I feel like we've been fed this stigma that homeschoolers are weird. And most of the people that I know that were homeschooled are far from weird. It's true. (laughs) And so I feel like that's just a lie that is put out there. and It's not true. I mean, I feel like if anybody came into any one of our homeschooled house like, and watched us homeschool, they're like, oh, those people would, aren't weird. They yeah. would just, it would fall away, that, that stigma. For sure. Um, so when you finished high school, um, did you get married right away? What, what did you do? So right out of high school, um, 
since I was six years old, I knew I wanted to do architecture or interior design. And I went off to college right out of high school. And I ended up going from there and realizing, oh, whoa, I don't want to do architecture because of all the math and science. I was more the creative side and chose to switch to interior design. But at the same time, that's when I had health issues start and I moved back home. And then I was just like, oh, I want to move somewhere different and I could choose New York or Dallas because I had two aunts that lived in either space and I moved to Dallas. And then that's when I started to go to school at the Art Institute of Dallas and got my um, interior design degree there. It's amazing and you're so talented. I Thanks. love everything that you do. Um, so was homeschooling something after you had your first encounter with homeschooling and you know living with your aunt did you know right then that you wanted to homeschool your children? Yeah, that moment living with my aunt, realizing it wasn't weird and how amazing it was, it really spoke to me because I was in public school and private and I had learning disability. I didn't find out until I was 19 years old mm -hmm. that I had dyscalculus and dyslexia. And all the while, my parents were doing whatever they could by taking me to Sylvan Learning School and extended care, like tutoring type sessions, whatever they could find in that season of life, they were trying to get help for me, but no one could even put a label. It was just not many people were educated way back then. And I was making A's and B's. So they were like, oh, she's doing great in school. But they knew I came home crying. Like, this is just so hard. It was just the comprehension and moving too fast where I couldn't retain it fast enough. And by the time I learned it, it was like, oh, we just did the test and we're moving on. And I'm like, no, I just grasped the, mm -hmm. the idea. And so being with my aunt, I saw that one, ch one of my cousins learned very audibly and she just did all her classes online through video. And then the other learned, like she didn't want her mom around. She was like, I just want someone else to teach me. Ultimately, my aunt was the teacher, but she went to co-op and then the other had to have that one-on-one -on -one time with her. So she got that special like time of when she had the learning disabilities. And so that right there in that moment led me to be like, I want this for my children, not even knowing if my children would have any learning disabilities, mm -hmm. but just the beauty of that I knew they would be each their own personality and I wanted to teach them that like in whatever way they needed instead of just pushing them in school and they had to learn the same way. That's amazing. Yeah. So you knew you wanted a homeschool, but you still pursued a career. Yes. And like, how do you feel about that? What are you doing with your degree now? So in the moment of, I was still pursuing my career right after um, I got out of college designing rugs and then went on to like remodels, residential, all that. And I, in that moment, was like, well, I'm going to take a step back to foster because I knew that was just like a big old thing. And then I just dabbled in it from time to time. I would take clients in different seasons of motherhood. And every time I just stopped, take a second and stop and pray with the Lord to see, you know what the future holds. Should I be doing this? Should I not? And just pray about every client that comes, even if it's an opportunity, it, it's still, I'm going to pray because I may not need to take it. And then I would just take something or not, and I would just be homeschooling. And then now that I've gotten, he's pulled me back into it and been doing commercial stuff and bigger projects, um, 
I've just had that beauty of learning to balance it. And obviously my family and my children and homeschooling all comes first. And so trying to just say, this is first and nothing comes between it. And then letting my clients know in advance, like these are the hours that I work, which is really hard because it's, you know, oh, like maybe one to five is what I can give you and only on certain days. And I try to say like, I don't work nights and weekends. And obviously when there's emergencies and things come up, that's the beauty of homeschooling. It's like if I don't homeschool for a day or if it's like an intense week with contractors and a lot of things are going wrong at the job sites, then I just turn around and I'm like, okay, I am going to take care of my client and honor them in those moments. But there's a balance and and putting up those boundaries too and reiterate to them, hey, you signed the contract. This is what it says. I'm willing to go over to some extent, but then there's also boundaries. And that is just all about learning balance. Yeah. I love I love the way you've approached each. I've wa- I've gotten to watch you pray about and walk walk that out and um, also see the struggle of it of of trying to yeah. navigate work and homeschool and having childcare. It's not easy, but um I see the fulfillment. Like I see how it fills you mm-hmm. and how it just brings you so much joy. And you really walk with God through all of it. And so it's just beautiful how you've gotten to do both, where you have like this outlet where you get to go and provide for your family some, and then also um, have this creative outlet. And it's really, really cool to see how, you know, you don't have to give up this to to homeschool. Mm -hmm. You can still do both. It's true. Yeah. So... um, with Makai, um, and I guess, I mean, all of your kids, where did you start? Did you know that you had, um, like a a method that you wanted to do? Was there a certain curriculum you had your eye on from the beginning? Like what, what did that early days look like? Yeah. So my husband is a researcher and learner and I was like, Oh, he wanted to do homeschool too, but I knew I needed to present to him. Like, here's all the methods, all the curriculums, and just be like, can you help me decide and let's pray about it. And so I just like scoured the internet and tried to figure it out. And then obviously I had a lean towards what I wanted, but I wanted to see if he was on the same page and he was, and that was um, Charlotte Mason as our basis. But then we also were, were very eclectic and grabbed from different areas and loved like the Waldorf and Montessori and the aspects, um, certain aspects and those that we pulled to. But that we just, um, I presented to him, we prayed about it, and then we both were on the same page of like, this is what we want for our family. And then as far as curriculums go, it was also where let's do it, this is what looks right. And some of them, we've they've been with us from the start and work for our family and others. It was like, okay, we're only gonna take parts of that or we're just not gonna do that curriculum and we need to change it up. And I feel like every season, it's about like a semester, every three to six months, I just ask the Lord, I can start to sense whether something's not working or if it is. And I'm just like, okay, what, give me clarity on, is it me and my teaching style? Is it the curriculum? Is it um, our like rhythm of how we're homeschooling and just always checking in? And so this year was the first year where it was like, okay, I could tell in September when it came that time, it was like, okay, Makai needs that focus and not having distraction where I need to have him 
we need to do it in his own time or in a room or a quiet space so he can actually comprehend what's being read and not be distracted. And so the other two, Cora and Makai, get schooled at different times, but then we have our whole family things like Bible and reading that we do, um, reading out loud all together. But for the core curriculum like subjects, we just do individually for him whenever he needs it. I think you said something really important when you said that every you know three to six months you reassess and you ask God about um, the curriculum that you're using and what you're doing. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I just have to power through it. We mm-hmm. bought it and we're going to power through it, which there's something to say to that because you can waste a lot of money on curriculum. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're both ending in tears at the yeah, end of the day or just frustrated, it. you just may need to just stop that because the best part about homeschooling is cultivating that love of learning. And mm-hmm. if your kids aren't learning well, then because you're just forcing this curriculum, then I just don't think you're getting the biggest part of um, homeschooling. And so I think that's really important for people to hear. Um, You've said a lot about Makai um, and how you have to do things separate with him. What is it like um, with a child that's a different learner that has some um, just hurdles to get through just to even get to sit down at the table and learn? Yeah, with Makai, we found um, found out early on that he has sensory processing disorder and probably other learning disabilities with like dyslexia and other things. We just haven't diagnosed him or even put a label on him. But just I have that heart of knowing because I've been there. Mm. And so I just have that patience of understanding him, of noticing when something isn't working and just being like, Let's think of out of box things that will actually work for you to like just learn. And so for him, it's always been what in that moment or my other two, it's like, I can just do the workbook and they just catch on and it's just a breeze. Um, yes, we have our hard days, but it's just a breeze. And for Makai, it's just like, what is it that is maybe out there that works for him or trying new things? And so with him, that's where I have tried different curriculums a lot to see what works best with him. Now, have you guys done any special things to help him learn, to help him overcome these learning differences? Yeah, so the biggest thing was we took him to Brain Balance, and um, it was a blessing for our family because it was about two years that we went there, and it literally changed his life because it helped with awareness or visual, just all the things you're main senses and everything like that it helped him tremendously with school and then now for him what we've been trying to encourage is just like the confidence and speaking life over him and you know the power of your words and when he gets frustrated or down or says like I just don't know how to do this or he's now aware that his two younger siblings are passing him up And he's just like, I'm so behind. And he vocalizes like he feels that. And I've been there. Mm -hmm. My two younger sisters were doing the same thing. So like I get what it feels like. And trying to be like, don't focus on other people. Focus on you. You were made differently. And just just in really encouraging him about his identity in Christ. Because that's what grew, helped me and my confidence. And so I've been trying to do that with him, just my husband and I just praying and 
doing that because once you have that confidence, it's like you won't look left to right. You won't look at someone else. You won't compare. You'll focus on you and you'll know that you're created differently and that, yeah, it may be a lot more work to learn, but it's worth it. And that's how it was for me. It was like, I loved learning even if it came hard. It's just, I wanted it to be at a certain pace or a certain style that actually was attractive to me where I could just easily learn. So that's what I always go back to of like, what would I have wanted in that moment and how could I help him? And it, it changes all the time. So, and he loves, he has things that he loves to learn yes. about, right? Oh yeah. He is very into nature and national geographic, all the things, science and it very audibly um, of an audible learner and that helps digest all the things through living books and just um, using other forms of audible to for him to retain information that's amazing I just love that the Lord gave you you know your struggle and you know waiting so long in your life until you're in college to really even know what what it was that was mm-hmm. holding you back and you were like, I'm going to homeschool because just in case, or just even if my child doesn't have this, mm-hmm. I can give them this. And then the Lord gives you a child that yeah, does that, struggle. Yeah. I mean, it was no mistake for sure. I'm like, okay, even if it's hard, I'm like, okay, I can relate. Yeah. Like I understand. Yeah. And not even a biological child. Yes. It, you know, it's just so sweet how he just came to you and he yeah. was placed in your family because you were going to be the parents that would give him help the best mm-hmm. opportunity and it's just so sweet um so how was that starting off with formal lessons because before that it's just early years mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of reading playing and stuff but when you started formal lessons what did that look like for you did you feel like a lot of pressure yes man as a mother it's like whoa you jump in like a deep dive because it's just like more fun and play and more natural like rhythm, but then it's like, boom, you're in it. And so it was a struggle more on me because my kids, even with Makai, they all love learning and they were just like absorbing it, but it would come where I would feel the pressure of like, wow, this is a lot to do. And so I've just learned to how can I be the best teacher and be the, my best self in teaching them that maybe it's trying to do too much or maybe I need to change it where it's like doing something just once a week with um, whether it's like culture studies and all those things. So we've broken it up and changed it. And those are one of those moments of every three to six months after I was like trying to make it work of doing it. I was like, this is almost like school where I'm just Mm -hmm. going for so long and doing it. And it's just like trying to check off the box. And it was just not fun for me and just a lot of pressure. And so I ended up just being like, we're doing the basics and then we're slowly adding in. And that's how I've done it. It's like slowly adding it back in until I've mastered that kind of like a habit mm-hmm. and as teaching them and just gauge it to see what they do or don't like. Now, do you see yourself struggling with your dyslexia and dyscalculia? Do you see that in your teaching? Like, do you, do you struggle with that? Not at all. Like, I feel like I've mastered that and that confidence in it. I mean, it's like when I go to write where I'm really have to work a lot harder to get there, but I don't feel like it comes up at all. I know that when my kids get older, there will come a time where I've already told my husband, like either you're going to have to step in or we'll go do a co-op or have someone else teach a certain type of 
um, subject that I can't, like I'm totally okay with that. And, but as of right now, it's just, I, it's the coolest thing for me because besides doing architecture and interior design as a little girl, I would pretend be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And now he's put that back on my life. Like he had called me to that at a young age too. And it's just so neat because I'm getting to teach and I'm getting to relearn everything because it's at a slower pace and it's at like, you know, for me, my children's level. And so I can actually absorb it. And it's just, I just love it because I'm relearning and having so much fun with him. That's so awesome. That's so encouraging for any other mother out there that's struggling with dyslexia and thinks that they're not equipped. Yeah. You know, and, and also knowing that you can outsource things that mm-hmm. are not your, not your strength. So, um, I want to go back to you about, um, fostering. And so you recently had three fosters. that like? Yes. It was, um, there were ups and downs. So first we didn't even know we were just like, we're only going to get three and under because we, we knew that you have to put them in school and we didn't know there was an option that you could actually homeschool and they would approve it. And then we heard about their older sister that was six and we were like, we don't want to separate them. And so we put her in school for a week and a half, but, and then we, cause it was like, May when we got them. And so she had about a week and a half left when she came to us and we did the whole public school thing and Mm -hmm. the car drop off. And it was like, this is not like, this is for sure. (laughs) This is not what I want, but I just did it. I was late every single day, no matter how early (laughs) I got up. And, um, but then with her, they ended up approving, they took pictures of like our homeschool room. And then they said, what curriculums are you teaching and all that? And we would just have to like send report cards. And I'm like, I've never done a report card. So we had to like research that of like, what are they expecting? And it's not what you think A's and B's. It's like these, all these other letters. And so, um, we did that, got approved and then we go year round. So it was the summer and she was excited to still school because that's what we did. And we never wanted a child to feel left out. That's why we wanted to keep it three and under, um, because it's like, oh, sorry, you, that one child have to go to school while we have everybody else at home. We just never wanted that, um, to feel like that. So thankfully we got to homeschool her and it started to get hard because when they, when she got comfortable, um, that's when she started having her meltdowns and it was about three months in, we had them for six months and that's where it started to get hard because she started comparing herself and it was more that insecurity too. And she had learning disabilities like Makai. So I knew how to work with it, but she was just all of a sudden feeling insecure. And we just worked with her and worked through that until the very end. And then they ended up leaving. And so, yeah. Yeah. And so you got to homeschool them. Yes. Um, And so in the state of Texas, we don't have to report anything for Mm -hmm. our personal homeschool, but for your foster daughters, we did. Y'all got. Yeah. Y'all got to homeschool them, but you had to report things. Yes. Um. And did you have to report anything for your kids, or was it just for them? Thankfully, we didn't. Okay. It was just for the child to make sure that we were actually teaching them. Because I think that's where, why other states have it is like, are these parents actually even teaching them or are they just doing nothing? And that's what they want to know is that she, is she actually going to learn? And if she moved to another home, would she be ready to go right into school? 
and that's it was yeah. beautiful beautiful because they also saw they could tell like oh she can't um like she can write her name but she can't read and so we were like we see all these things too firsthand with her being with me every day they got to see where she was and we were working on that together with them of we both the cps worker and us were like oh she needs to learn how to read or she's struggling with this and this is what she needs and so it was just like she needs this extra help or she needs glasses they had never gone and gotten visual um, glasses and now she has them and it has changed her life tremendously so it's been yeah it's awesome those things that she needs just seeing her as an individual now for the homeschool did homeschooling them you had to get permission from her mother right no no they didn't even go to her some most of the time they would do that it was just cps they were like okay with it and they got approval by the judge that's awesome yeah cool um so backing up a little bit more even more so so i met you through wild and free Mm -hmm. um in my pilot episode everybody got to hear how i you know, thought Wild and Free at first was a bunch of like crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) Little did I know that that's exactly where I'd find my people. Um, And I, you know, I searched for a group in my area and I found your group. And um, I think your group was pretty new at that time. Um, And so tell me about starting that group. Why did you start your group? And Yeah. Um, Back in... I want to say 2014, I found the Wild and Free Instagram right when they had started and I was just drawn to it. And I had all my friends putting their kids in daycare school and I'm like, I've got to find my tribe. And my kids weren't even school aged. It was like, I don't even need to be looking for this. But again, I already knew I was going to homeschool. I wanted to find people that were maybe older than me and had the wisdom that would be able to like speak into me and at that point I was like using wild and free's Instagram of the mamas that I started following then and been like these are my wiser women but I decided to start a group and just step out on the leap and of faith and just do that so I started that in 2015 and it was a slow and steady like it takes a lot to build community and by within like six months, I had 10 people in my group by 2016. And I think you came in right around a little bit after that, um, right around Mm -hmm. in 2016. And so, yeah, it was just really, um, me wanting to find my community. And then that's been a little over seven years or seven years right around there. And I have now just seen the the community be exactly like everything I prayed for and what I didn't know it would become in a way because I didn't really curate it. It was just like God's doing of like, I want these women and then just waiting to see what the Lord did and moved and just started the group of, Hey, I want us to be out in nature, wild and free. I want us to be using a nature curriculum and it's changed throughout the years of different things like I remember when you first started it was we were doing crafts (laughs) with kids and I was taking some money to pay for some supplies and doing that while reading a book and then going on a hike and doing lunch 
and then it's just like evolved over the years to kind of really what do our older children need and just keep changing the age to like now we're 10 and under um back then it was seven and under so yeah just always including mothers that are t truly also starting out because i want that space for them to see what it's like and just feel confident before they even begin homeschooling where they can talk to others and not have any fears and then also pointing them back to wild and free of the books and the content bundles the podcasts the instagram like all the things for them to learn and be like just devour all this information before you get going you're not going to feel as overwhelmed or confident or you'll feel more confident you'll, you won't feel as overwhelmed or you might because there's so much <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, I think just having other women to relate to, mm. which is what I know like you're passionate about of like just your everyday woman that's in the the thick of it with homeschooling as a mama and a wife and parenting and all that. Like just finding those women to connect and relate and be like, this is so relatable because you're here in real life and we're talking and I, you're a person and you're doing this, this mm -hmm. seems doable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just, it's slowly become this beautiful thing and it's truly a tribe and it takes a village and we all are there for one another, encouraging each other through the hard seasons and praying together and having fun, you know, just going through the thick of it. Yeah. Like the ups and the downs together. Yeah, like right after I started coming to your group, you encountered a very intense health mm -hmm. journey that put you basically in bed all the time. Yeah. And I didn't even know you, but I like remember showing up to your house folding your laundry. But but that's how quickly that's how intentional you are with your community where that's and your group reflects that mm -hmm. of even though I barely knew you, I knew that like this was somebody who cared about me mm -hmm. because you're such a great group leader. So like, what did that season look like having to release your group? Um, and kind of, cause you really couldn't come for some mm -hmm. time. Um, but then getting back into it once again, like what, what was that season like? Yeah, I think it, it was just a hard season of having to let others know I can't do this. Thankfully it was just newer. So it was okay to just like let it kind of fall and then we just picked back up where we left off but it was hard um, because I was bedridden for a year um, and we had to hire a nanny for the first time so my husband could go back to work because I just could not take care of my children and couldn't get out of bed I ended up um, finding out later that I had um, we had black mold in our house and in the series of all this that tipped over my immune system was I had gotten bronchitis, my youngest that was a baby at the time, and I had gotten it. And I then started seeing a holistic doctor, a different one that specialized in getting to the root cause of what was actually going on. And um, she found out that I had also like parasites and mono so that was causing the fatigue and then hormonal stuff like thyroid stuff it was just all the things were like lit up like a candle and I was just like wow this is a lot to tackle I actually had Lyme too but God healed me of that because um, usually that's something you kind of live with for the rest of your life mm -hmm. 
and yeah, just autoimmune stuff. Everything just lit up like a Christmas tree and I had to walk through slowly tackling one thing at a time. And I'm still on that journey on that last bit, which is my hormones mastering, like getting that under control um, and getting the levels great. But yeah, it's been, that's been now six years of working through that. But that one year was really hard and just that was hard to have to kind of shut it down for a little bit and then start it back up. But we just picked up right where we left off. And I was just thankful for community or women like you that just literally said, how can I help you? And it was just in that moment where that's, it was just like having that community where we were going to do life together Mm -hmm. and help each other out in the hard times. And that's been consistently what we've had from our group is just how can we be there when crisis is happening? How can we pray? Like I see you as an individual, like I love you like a sister and I want to be there. So yeah, those kind of moments, it's been a blessing to have in our group. Yeah. How, how hard is it to get, um, you said earlier that community is hard to build at first. And so how hard would you say it is to um, manage our community because we have we've blown up this year. Yeah. <laughs> we have so many new mamas this year that mm-hmm. have joined our community, and so how is it managing that? How much time do you think you spend doing that? Mm. Like weekly, I want to say at least um, two to three hours. It used to be more, but I put boundaries up too of. I don't take and respond to emails until like once a week. And then even then I have to go through like waivers and it's just like several steps and it can add up and then creating the event. I try to do it, try to do several of them in advance for like the whole month, the weekly ones, but sometimes it's per weekly. So it just ebb and flows. I've mastered it. You get better the longer you've done it, but it's a lot of work, um, admin work that goes behind the scenes and just praying about who should be in the group and through doing the waivers and the questionnaire and the emails and all that, that admin. But then we've just, it's, it's been hard, but then now it's easy. And I think the hard part of community is for me, I had, I wanted to be intentional. I didn't want the woman to just be like, come in and you figure it out. Like, yes, it takes the mother that, that one woman stepping out and building the relationship. Like she's got to pursue people too. It can't just be me doing all the work. And so I try to at least set the tone like that by going up to the woman, giving them a hug, welcoming them, introducing them to other people, um, just making it feel like a safe place and that they're wanted and would love to have them there. And I think that helped build that community because it was like, I want to have you as a friend or want to have you in this too. And then my, the women in the group also just knew who I was and we all just kind of started molding together being that same thing. So across the board, if a woman walked in, they would all feel that they would feel the warmth and like, Oh, not just like, hi, bye, and not just where you wouldn't acknowledge them. But yet we did. We came up and got to know them. And it just took that, it took them, their walls down, and then they were able to be vulnerable and just get to know the women. 
Yeah, and we have mama nights as well where we mm-hmm. get an opportunity to sit down and eat together. Most recently, you hosted this wonderful flower class where you taught us how to make like professional-looking flower arrangements. Yeah. And so we have other opportunities outside of our kids because it can get a little hard when you're chasing after your kids or, you know, mm-hmm. on these it's hikes really and hard. stuff. And so you don't get as much intentional time, but those nights are designed to also just continue to build that time. And we also do camping trips as mm-hmm. a group with all the families. And so, um, you know, I think you have done a really good job of fostering and um, laying the foundation of what it looks like to intentionally build a community because it can be very isolating. You could be that weird homeschooler who stays recluse and just chooses not to leave your house Mm -hmm. um, because it feels more comfortable. And it is, there are times it is uncomfortable to get out and meet people. It's a lot of work too. Yeah. To get your kids out the door, to get the lunches packed, to get whatever maybe supplies they would want to have and then just do the drive because ours is all over the Metroplex. So sometimes doing an hour, maybe hour and a half drive, but it's worth it in the Mm -hmm. end because you're all doing it together. You're all working through it together (laughs) and maybe showing up late together. Like, yeah, (laughs) you and I are showing up late together. (laughs) Even as the leader, that's why there's that like 30 minute grace period of like, we're all stumbling in together. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so what lessons do you do as a family? So we do um, Bible time. Well, we do our morning basket, which is like Bible, hymn, um, and scripture memorization. And then we do reading. So we do all that at the beginning. And then that's when we kind of go and Makai gets ready for the rest of the day and has some like playtime rest. And I start schooling the other two and doing their math and reading and spelling and all that. And then Makai does his, and then we'll come together to do the other subjects where they're, it's art or science, um, history and all that. And we do that chopped up like different days. So we do Monday night culture nights and um, our, like it's just every day is different. And then we do tea time, try to get to it twice a week. And that's when we do the artist study and then um, after that, we do our nature outings on Friday. So we do Monday through Thursday teaching the school. And then Friday, we do our hike. And that's kind of how we do it. And then we just do loop where it's like where wherever we left off, we pick up. So if there's where we have a sick week or I work for a day or whatever it is, or families in town or vacation, we just pick it up where we left off. And that's the beauty of also going year round. Mm. And then we do take that like a month off during the Christmas holiday and travel different weeks throughout the year. So yeah. So Culture Monday, tell me about that. Yeah, so Culture Night. So we end up making all the foods and do a different culture some for a while I was consistent it was every week but sometimes that's just hard mm. because it's a lot of prep um and then we just learn about a different culture so we look, look on the globe we read books and we find their flag and find um try to find different books that actually talk about the people and their culture and history but then we eat the food and it's just like fun because it's helped my kids are picky eaters and it's mm-hmm. helped to be like well this is what other people eat and then letting them participate in 
helping make it and doing that and they love it and when we don't do it like over the christmas holiday and that like they start asking for it so that's like those fun um outside of subjects that are outside of your core ones those fun culture art you know natural history like all those things they end up loving yeah I mean I love that I remember in sixth grade I we did the whole sixth grade everybody got assigned a different country and we had to come one day with our report and dressed up as someone from that country and everybody made food and the whole sixth grade was out in the hall with all the food (laughs) and we all ate food from different countries that's something that stuck out to me when I was you know 12 years old and so um if that sticks out you know in a public school setting it just means that you can make it even better in a homeschool setting yeah um, and I love, I just love that because it opens, it's so easy, especially for kids to get in the bubble of their, you know, their world and it just opening them up without showing them the news, you know, mm-hmm. opening their world up to, um, see other people groups and how people live, how people eat. Um, and you know, we love rice in our house, but when my <laughs> kids see how much other cultures eat rice it is shocking to them because yeah. it's like their main staple food yes. like almost every day. Yes. And there's many countries where that is a staple food and my kids yeah. are always shocked. So that is, I love that you do that in the tea times as well. So for the tea time, mm-hmm. it's something that we love and I know we've shared that, um, but what is that? Do you have like special cups that you use? Yes. Do you make a tree? What do you do? For me, it's my, I get to use my creative giftings and obviously art and then the tea time because we always go when it's that season, if we can, we go and pick out flowers from the garden and I have them help trim them and then we just put them in vases. Then we usually make some dessert type treat and then do our different flavors of tea that we have. We just pick it out and get out we have like three different sets of tea um little sets and they choose which one and we just pull it out and make this like elaborate spread and it's just like fun for me to put it all together creatively and then we bring the books about the artists and poetry and we try to stay on an artist for about three months so we had done vincent van gogh and we're about to move on to monet and we just st- stayed on Vincent Van Gogh a little bit longer. And we're just like, I don't know, because we loved it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just love doing that. And then we bring up classical music in that time too of learning a different composer. And so we use that moment of like the extra kind of like we do in morning time where you just get it all in at once. And it's just this really beautiful moment because we just start talking and community and they it's more read aloud time and just yeah it's just exciting and for me I've also used Mm -hmm. my frame tv as Mm -hmm. showing the different art it's been such a blessing because I can change all the artwork to different Vincent Van Gogh pieces whether it's like every day or like keep it for a week and it's just been neat because they get to see the art of work and then going to museums we love to do those field trips too so with two boys, were you afraid to bring out the china or the tea sets or anything? Or did they learn how to properly care for them? Yeah, my boys are obviously boys, but they do treat most things with respect. So, I mean, boys in general are different than girls. So I've, like, I grew up with sisters and everything was in its proper place. 
And with boys, it doesn't. It stays a little bit more messy. And I've had to learn to just like let things go. But thankfully, we have had a few things break, but it's more like their toys and stuff, like the nice wooden stuff. <laughs> and you're like, really? That's not cheap. But thankfully, I haven't really, they've taken care of most of the teeth. Like I've mm. never had anything break, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I haven't either. And people are probably I'm crazy because they're, they're just like, oh, my kids don't even eat off of, you know, glass plates. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, we have we from do. the beginning because yeah. I just wanted to teach my kids, this is how you treat things. And so, um, you can get fancy, but also at tea time, you could just use your regular yeah. cups if you. I mean, are... we have some of the plastic cups and then the plates that look fancy too and we do that if we carry it out to outside because Mm -hmm. I always want to do that when we do school outside I have options of nice looking cups and plates to carry outside but they're just plastic so we do that too sometimes do you love to do school outside oh yeah yeah especially in Texas where we have you know the spring fall before it gets too hot and we're even out there during the winter because it doesn't get too cold and for like about a month or two but we literally will just take our gather mat go sit out front or in the backyard in the grass and just bring everything out and just school and it's just so like they love it as much as me it's do you feel like so they nice. learn better when they're out there they they I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they, I mean with a few of them they get distracted by God's creation they're yeah. like there's the butterfly and there's the bird <laughs> and while I want to enjoy that too there are those moments versus inside. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they get a little bit more distracted, but they do like it as much as It's just school. a fun change yeah. up. It you is know, just for me, I need it. For sure, yeah. and get that vitamin D in. Yeah, and, and just to get outside and not feel always like you're inside, you know? Yeah. So any other subjects that you do that you really, um, that your kids struggle with, that it's kind of hard to get through um, in a day or even in a week? Um, I feel like just the timing, like not wanting to be on in school the whole day or the whole time, trying to balance that because there's you want them to learn this. They kind of need to like learn the core subjects. <laughs> so there's that balance of do I do it, do I not do it, and then – they were retaining the information when I started history last year and especially Mackay, he loved it and everything. But it was like at, at one point it was like noticing that age difference of like only Mackay really cares for that right now and not the other two. So just trying to add that in. And it was just like, I'm just going to wait until they're ready to actually retain it. And then they're not sitting there like, this is boring. Mm. And that goes back to, well, I don't have to do it right now. Like they can pick it up in one moment and even when they're older and then retain it all. It doesn't have to be crammed in at the beginning. And so there would be like those kind of things. Um, History and geography, Makai is very into. And while they both, the other two, Cora and Fulton, like it, it was just like, it was just not as easy. So we had skipped that all last year started it up a, a little bit this year, but mainly doing it for Makai. I love that. Not sweating yeah. it, just letting them, you know, I mean, especially I think because, you know, you're introducing the subject of history so young, you're not waiting until like fourth grade, which mm-hmm. I think that's like what the school system does. Um, 
you're introducing it early so you feel like you can you know it's like okay they get a little bit here a little bit there they Mm -hmm. don't get the full thing but over 12 years they'll get it all yes and there won't be any gaps and if there are then that might be a that may be their issue not yours because um if you're presenting it then yeah, you can only do so much. I yeah, know that's I a mean, big challenge. We all have different subjects that we do and don't like. Mm-hmm. And that right there can already make you be like, I'm not interested. And maybe it's like you're plugging your ears kind of until you're ready. And it's like, I was that child. I'm like, I didn't care for history. But then now that I'm teaching it, I'm like, oh, I love it. Mm. Because it was like, it wasn't the right timing for me because it was just so much to come and I just know that each child has their one subject that's harder and yeah you have to like just sometimes do it whether it's reading or math or or whatever it might be and so there's like that that balance of okay now we need to do it and then letting them just like when they're younger being like it's okay not to do it right now yeah yeah Yeah. um so what does your ideal um school day look like do you start at like 9 a.m. or do you have more of a rhythm where you just do the things you need to do and then fall into your day yeah so for me I have to get my morning time with the Lord and so if it it depends on like when I get up and I don't like set an alarm and it depends on if I was up late or if my son is sleeping in and then when we roll out of bed and make breakfast so right after breakfast it could be anywhere when we start the process of like getting ready for homeschool and then starting Bible time at like eight, between eight and nine is when we start. And then we go in till about lunch. And sometimes we have to pick things back up in the afternoon to finish a little bit of it, but it's only about 20, 30 minutes of it. And we usually just go into, yeah, the Bible. And then after that, we either move outside upstairs um, to our homeschool room and then we do the subjects. And then some days are different because we bring in um, like adding tools and supplies other than just the workbooky things. And we like to just do the musical instruments or yoga or just curl up in our reading corner and just read more books than doing all the subjects. So it's just like, we kind of let it lead, but there is, we all do thrive off a routine. So we are consistent with that. It's like you wake up, you eat, you go get dressed, brush your teeth, make your bed. Then we come together. And if we're on a tight schedule, cause we have appointments or something like that, then we're just like, okay, we're going to do school first, maybe in pajamas and then get to that right afterwards. So yeah, just to make sure we can get through as much school or bring it with us. But yeah, that's kind of our routine. We we like that consistency. So you have a dedicated homeschool room. Um, we do. Do you do most of your school there? I mean, I know you said you do outside as well, but yeah. I feel like we do it. There's like, I want to say 25% everywhere. <laughs> so it's like maybe the dining room, maybe the living room floor, the living room couch outside or upstairs in the homeschool table or the homeschool floor. And we had been doing it for, I think about a month, just like kind of on our mat and on the couch and here and there. And then we all were like, let's just go back up to our table because it's just better to be riding, you know, up on Mm -hmm. a table than just in your lap. And so we try to space it out. They all wanted it because we wanted to be by the fireplace Mm. when it was cold in winter. I think that's why we gravitated towards there. 
but yeah, we mostly just, it's whatever we're feeling. Yeah. What, like the other whatever day I did cozy. it in my bed. Oh. They asked for it and I was like, okay, we're just all hopping in the bed and just sitting there and did it in our bed. I will say it is fun to move around because like my kids, we did couch school the other day because I had a child that wasn't feeling great and my kids got through school faster on the couch where I feel like they wouldn't normally because it was something different. Yeah, it was something different. So it's fun to change up the atmosphere mm-hmm. and, but it's also nice to have your a dedicated space mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, we, this, this is our learning space. And, um, you know, I feel like it promotes that, um, just it gives you focus because you're like we learn in here yeah <laughs> you know um and so you try to get you usually get done by lunch mm-hmm. what do your afternoons look like so then afternoons is usually when I work and if I don't have a project at the time then that's when we're outside gardening riding bikes um then we do go to museums or the zoo or just anything like that we want to get out and do errands appointments um, just playing games, hanging out, just resting, you know, just Mm -hmm. anything that we want to do or cleaning. (laughs) So yeah, we just, it's just, that isn't consistent really what we do in the afternoons, but that's where we do do our tea time or culture night. Those Mm -hmm. do come up on those certain days, but the other days it's just whatever. And we'll do science experiments, um, once a week. And that takes about 30 minutes. My husband likes to do that part of it. So he'll do it on the day that he's home. And yeah. But that doesn't feel like school doing tea time and doing culture. No, to me it doesn't. It's it's just fun. So that's why I was not thinking through (laughs) that that is, I think those extra things happen in the afternoon and they're not like school to me. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a perfect time to do it. Kind of it, it's like a regrounding. It's like, we're still a homeschool family, we, but we're still a family unit and you have this freedom to do nothing in the afternoon mm-hmm. or you can do something that's kind of like learning, but it yeah. doesn't feel like it. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. something that engages the whole family in a different way. Um, so your husband likes to do things. Anything else your husband likes to do? Yeah. He teaches them how to read. That is the one part I now thinking of it is like for me, the phonetics. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know, but I know I'm not great at it and that I'm like I'm taking a step back and he gladly will do that so he teaches them each how to read phonetically until they've mastered that I do do the CVC words and work with them on their curriculums that do that but it's more him because he has more patience and can actually phonetically say it correctly and then he does the science part too and then any history um, he's such a researcher and passionate about like history and science. So like, he'll just tell them random tidbits here and there of whatever is going on. Like we all love, um, like the solar system and we have a telescope and whenever the stars or planets were all out and we got to see like three of them the other week, it's always something that we all gravitate towards. And it's like, okay, we're going to wake our kids up at night to go see the moon when it's a lunar eclipse and different things like that. We just, we all naturally as a family do that. Or he also um, plays a lot of musical instruments. And so he's been, he, they watch him do piano. And eventually if, if one of them wants to learn piano, 
or vocal, I can tell the two boys really want that. So we're going to get them in vocal lessons. I'm um, just little things of like, what is it that they need in that season mm. or want? And so he teaches them guitar and different things. So is he home during the day a lot? Um, he is right now currently in this season. He works remote. He usually used to be in the office three to four days a week. Mm-hmm. And now he's only goes into work on one day a week and he's home. But I still try to respect him like, hey, dad's off limits. He's gone. And we have an office in our closet. <laughs> and so he just goes back there and he's got like three sets of doors to block and like our bedroom, the bathroom, and then the closet door. But yeah, he just goes back there and takes meetings when he needs them. And then he's out there with us. And usually when we have a nanny, we currently don't. Uh, they're like handling the lunch and that. So we're both tag teaming on the extra house duties and food and all that. So usually that's what we have our nanny doing at that time is preparing lunch and cleaning while we're doing school and stuff. So yeah, he's works remote and he would prefer to be in office because he can get a lot more done <laughs> and the kids don't bug him. But at the same time, it's a blessing because he gets to be with his children and can homeschool them and just watch them grow up. That's so cool. Yeah. So is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to share? Or? I just want to encourage the mamas out there that don't give up when it is hard. Um, just... Pray and ask the Lord to give you a different direction or clarity on something that your kid needs specifically or a way to learn. And homeschool is so much fun and it's a blast and it's such a blessing to be able to watch your children grow. Even though it's hard being the mom where you're like in the house all the time, but also just even if you don't have a career path that you're working on like me, just find something for yourself to do that brings you joy because you need that in the motherhood journey and teaching journey because you're not just the mom. You're also the teacher and it's like you could get lost in the whole daily with your children Mm -hmm. 24-7. So it's just encouraging them to find community and just encouraging you women to find some outlet, whether it be garden or some creative outlet whether it's singing or writing, whatever it is, just encouraging you to get out there and do it. Even if it's only five minutes, just create that habit to start it and then build on that, change it up to 15 minutes and pretty soon you can have like a whole afternoon to yourself if you just carve out that time and let your husband know that you need some time to yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I don't even know if, everybody picked on picked up on um your story and and the health struggles that you've had that's taken you down and even um people don't even know the intricacies of fostering and how that can add a level of stress she shared everything with basically a smile on her face because that's just who Lauren is Lauren just she takes these trials um and she faces them head on she does not let the enemy get a foothold so Um, but she has seen trials. And so when you hear her say that not to give up because a a certain season is hard, this is a woman who knows what hard is and Mm -hmm. what, um, not only physical battles look like, but also spiritual battles look like. And, um, so 
when, when you hear that lightness in her voice, it is truly authentic. It is truly something that she has just taken and the Lord has just carried her through that. Um, and that's why she's such a great leader too, because she encourages that in all of us. And so I don't know if you picked up on any of that, but she has gotten some, had some trials and she's just carried them so well. So, all right. So I want to end with who is your homeschool hero, whether it be like a person we all know or somebody we don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I think I'm inspired by two women where, um, Sally Clarkson, just that wisdom, you know, wanting to have that one person that encourages you through it, the journey and just her podcast and her books and gone, she's gone before had a child with learning disabilities, have very creative children, watch them now walking out their career. And so it's just from start to finish and then all the trials and all the moving that they've done and just fostering in that teen time and like fostering that sense of like fun and creative and passion, just very Mm. passionate people. She has um, been that one person and the other one would be Ainsley Armit of just, Mm. I just thank her every time I can of thank you for creating, taking that step to just create the Instagram account and then the content bundles and creating groups and creating this huge tribe and community of women. I mean, it literally changed our lives and that is how we've connected. And I just admire her because she sits there and homeschools and leads the wild and free community and all these women below her to make that business happen and she also writes books and everything um she's just very inspiring i love it well thank you for talking with me today sharing your story and um being open about um all the things that your family has gone through and is and what you're walking through yes thank you for having me yeah i know it'll encourage a lot of mamas i'm excited to see what happens from this and how many women are impacted by just being encouraged through this podcast. Yeah. Wow. I am so blown away and honored by all of you who listened to our pilot episode, like totally blew my socks off. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you who also shared on social media, text message, whatever you did to get the word out. Thank you so much. It really, really means a lot to know that this podcast is already touching other people from around the world. I mean, just to see how many listeners are not even in the United States is so exciting. If this podcast is already exciting to you, you're already loving it, would you continue to share it? Would you continue to hype it up any way you can? Send a text message. I want to touch as many people as I can. And if you're also loving it already, I know we're only two episodes in, would you please leave a review as well? Thanks, guys. See you next week.